punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast from Nesson.com. Mike Cole joined once again and as always by Lauren Campbell and Logan Mullen. Guys, how we doing? Wonderful. Fantastic. It's funny to ask you that because I've been talking to you guys for the last 15 minutes because uh, at the end of this episode, this is the magic of podcasting. We have a, an interview with new Bruins prospect. Well, I guess he's not a new Bruins prospect, but a newly signed Bruins prospect. Brady Lyle uh, just signed his two-way deal recently. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have him on for a few minutes to talk about uh, kind of his foray into the uh, the ranks of professional hockey and, and what, it's, uh, what it's been like for him. He had some good stories. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that at the end of this show. But before we get to that, we'll check in on the big club. Um, guys, the Bruins are, are good. Um, I was looking at it today. Uh, we're doing this on a Wednesday. Uh, there, I, I saw one site had them at 97%. Uh, another site had them at about 95 for um, uh, playoff chances. I feel like that was not set in stone uh, a week ago. So, or Rangers were Rangers were clawing back. Right. Yeah. So I, I guess, and uh, you know, I I looked it up last night. They're five and zero since the trade deadline. They've outscored their opponents like seventeen to six. Things are going well. They still have two more games with uh, uh, excuse me, Buffalo on this little like three game road series. It's like baseball. Um, any big takeaways from the last week for you guys, Lauren? Why don't you kick us off? Uh, I think Tuca looks good. I think yeah. um, it's nice to see him get back and just get back in the net. And sure. I still think, you know, I think there's some lingering effects there, but that's, I think that's to be expected with a back injury. But overall, I think he looks good. I think the team looks good. They look like a complete team. It's kind of scary. It's I hate dwelling on the fact that they don't have everyone back too, because you also <laughs> like, especially with Carlo and Kasha, like you don't know what that's going to look like, but like, They've done most of this without Matt Grizzlick. Um, you know, there's a lot of and without Yarrow Halak too, which obviously paves the way to the whole Jeremy Swayman storyline. But the fact of the matter is, like, they still are missing some very important personnel, and they look like world beaters right now. And I don't know what point it starts to go from, like, okay, they just caught lightning in a bottle, but this is a small sample size, to being like, no, like, this, this team has decided it's not going to lose but it, it feels like they're starting to veer towards the ladder a little bit. Um, beating good teams too, you know, be, beating the Capitals. Uh, of course, they're probably going to just keep beating up on Buffalo, but the fact that they're actually beating teams of note is promising. Like they completely turned it around against the Islanders. And like, whatever, we talked about the Buffalo thing six weeks ago where everybody, that's the thing with this balanced schedule. Everybody gets to beat the hell out of the teams that suck. Like, so you know, Washington gets just as many cracks at the Sabres as the Bruins do. And I got stuff going off over here. Uh, you know, so you're going to play everybody. Like it's there. They are owed the opportunities to, to kick the Sabres heads in. And, you know, they got a little bit lucky, if you want to call it that, that they get that opportunity after the trade deadline when the, the Sabres are even more picked over and have really just given up on the season. They just look terrible. Um, yeah. Drake Kajula looked good last night. <laughs> a glorified scrimmage in uh, Western New York last night, but um, still is a great product uh, on Nesson, Nesson Plus. Uh, the Nesson that works. Yes. I uh, I was looking at just after Lauren mentioned, it, I think it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile 
thing to, to mention is how good Rask has been and how healthy he has. I was a little, uh, the antenna went up a little bit when they, they healthy scratched him. Like the, well, I guess he wasn't a healthy scratch. He was unhealthy scratch the day after he made his return, but that's actually kind of like galaxy brain stuff to just not even dress him. Like if you have three yeah. bullies who are good, you might as well just not play him. Um, he is three and zero, or they are three and zero with him in goal. He's allowed four goals in those three games, a nine fifty five save percentage. I mean, that's that's aces right there. Like he's been really good. Um, the you know the fact that, and we'll, I think we'll expand on the goalie situation a little bit more in a few minutes. But I did want to also point out how good the trade deadline acquisition acquisitions have been, and this is kind of following up on our conversation last week. But Mike Riley might be my new favorite Bruin of all time. I just enjoy watching him play. Uh, Mike Orr. Yeah, we uh, we talked about this with Brady Lyle a little bit, right? I asked him this question. I've been meaning to jump on one of the Zoom calls and ask Bruce Cassidy this, um, but like how much of an emphasis they put on getting pucks to net from the blue line, and how much they teach that, and and how big of a thing. Because I damn it, I should have grabbed the tweet. This newfangled advanced uh, analytics hockey Twitter account, which I've I've really enjoyed, and I should look it up. Uh, had a Jay Fresh. Jay Fresh, thank you. Um, Matt Grizzlick and Mike Riley are number one and three respectively on like percentage of pucks that get to the net on shot attempts from defensemen that, and I mentioned this in the, uh, in our trade deadline preview, like if you can get a, a, a defenseman who can help you score goals, then that works just as much. And like, that's the thing is they, they're back. This is like the Tory Krug thing. Like he Krug was able to get those pucks on net, find shooting lanes. Um, Riley does it. Now getting Grizzlick back will help. So I think that's a great compliment that we probably didn't Zaboral, even think about. Zaboral does it too. Sure. He's just yeah. been unlucky. I think he's like on the same measure. He's like eighth in the league in shots getting blocked. Sure. Like he, once he starts feathering some of them through, yeah, you know, you could add him to the list. So I, you know, that's, I think you've started to see like the, the zone in which they can score goals kind of expand. Like when it starts getting out towards the blue line, then they're kind of cranking on all cylinders. Um, Taylor Hall, I thought had like didn't score. I don't think he showed up on the score sheet Tuesday night. I had one of maybe his best games as a Bruin. I think maybe I just was selectively watching, but he's back checking. He is, you know, taking the body where he needs to take it. You go back to I think it was the Washington game. He threw a pretty big check on a, a shift that I think might have led to a goal. Krejci looks revitalized. I'm guessing that's not an accident by having Taylor Hall on his line as well. So. And I, Lazar on the fourth line, the fourth line scored a goal or they were on the ice for a goal Tuesday night. So like, I, it's working. The, the pieces have all fit flawlessly. It doesn't always happen that way, but it, they, they've caught lighting in a bottle here. And I think this is a motivated team that took the message from, from management. And, you know, I think management bought into and showed that they believed in this team. And I think you're seeing a confident team as a result of that. So, I mean, I, we're gonna, if this team goes on a deep run, you're just going to end up, you know, continuing to, to just praise Don Sweeney. Do cartwheels. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. Like, what are we supposed to say? What, where's the negative right now? I mean, it, it sounds like house organ stuff, but I don't know. What do you want? Like, the, the, no, the I'm, young, I'm not asking you to do anything. The young defensemen still turn the puck over a little bit too often. There you go. So, um, yeah, so they're good. They're going to continue to be good because they've got two more with Buffalo. What's, you're going to say something, Logan. What's up? No, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, you're like you're, you're trying to shoehorn me into a contrarian take, and I, <laughs> I, I won't have it. Was, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Um, 
but with the goaltending situation, we'll go back to that. I is not, I don't want to make light of a situation. Is your also a lock? Okay. What's where's he at? He's been skating, I think. Um, but not with the team. I think he's with the taxi squad or before the um, like without the team. But it sounds like he's cleared protocols and now they're just kind of being cautious and not trying to rush him back if there's any lingering side effects. And if he's hasn't seen the ice in 12 days, that's a lot to ask for someone to just like go back and net. It's like, there you I, go. Fine. I think they're gonna be very, 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 very cautious with him. And I, I think that's Dude, why not? Here. It's, right. It has more to do with Jeremy Swayman than it does Yaroslav Halak's conditioning. Like, yeah. I, it's a bummer. Halak is a veteran goalie, but I think he got Wally pipped here. He probably did. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's a separate conversation to be had about like, because now what I keep going back to is Carter Hart, right? Like Carter Hart looks like he has the yips. And that as if I was running a hockey organization, Jeremy Swayman catching lightning in a bottle and then deciding we're not going to keep a NHL caliber backup like Yaroslav Halak, especially if it's on a cheap ticket, would scare the bejesus out of me. Um, oh, I'm, because, I mean, yeah, I'm not even saying, I'm just saying in the short term. Yeah, well, I think if anything, what it'll do is Jeremy Swayman, you don't have to pass through waivers to get him on the taxi squad, right? So for the rest of the season, if he's not going to play that much with Providence, because they have Vladar and then Booth they care less about because he's not a homegrown guy. But, like, I don't – I think we're heading in a direction where even if Halak is healthy, you're looking at Raskin Halak with, uh, with Swayman on the taxi squad, and then you occasionally call Swayman up. I think that's a smart move too, because you know, you bring up Carter Hart. You don't want to destroy Jeremy Swayman's confidence just because he's the hot goalie. Right. Right now. You don't want to throw him in these situations unless you absolutely have to, like a playoff situation where like they've done with Vladar. Right, exactly. <laughs> just leave him out to dry and just all of his confidence is gone. And then maybe he's never reaches the potential that he probably could have before it just all came down in shambles. So I think you know, I think you have to go with Rask and Halak, given that Halak is healthy enough to go. Um, then I think, you know, you just carry Swayman on the, pra- uh, the taxi squad and just kind of insert him where you can. I think they're rotating three goalies the rest of the way. And maybe Might as well. I, maybe that's what you guys are saying anyway. But, like, I think you're going to get goalies being healthy scratched down the stretch, <laughs> for lack of a better term, where I do think you're going to get yeah, I mean, they're still going to be back to backs. So Rask is going to play, and then when Halak is back, he will bat. He'll he'll be in there. He'll get a start, and Swayman will be his backup. I think you're going to see that for the rest of the way, and then they kind of make a a determination once they get to the playoffs. But like, I yeah, I just think Swayman's here to stay. Like, and you might as well keep him as close to the club as you can, and continue to work him in because I think he's been good enough that if something terrible went you know, happen to, to Rask or, and or Halak that keeps them out of the playoffs. I still think this is a relatively decent Stanley Cup contender with Jeremy Swayman as your starting goalie. That's probably a classic overreaction, but it's not something that is completely foreign in the sport either, that no. a young goaltender gets red hot. I mean, Jesus, the Bruins know firsthand, like Jordan yeah. Bennington, yeah. you know? So, and I think Swayman's a better prospect than Bennington was considered at that time so the more technically sound goaltender too Bennington's sure. a, a ride sure I don't want to like overreact to to what Swayman has done so far and maybe I just did that with what I said but like I I 
you got to kind of ride the hot hand, but you also have to eat. They're in a weird spot. I guess that's a good spot to be in because I still think they their goaltending situation when the playoff starts, assuming Swayman hasn't turned into a pumpkin, is going to be as good as any team in the entire NHL. Yeah. Well, and the one thing to keep in mind, too, that I think supports your theory about the three goalie rotations, their schedule is gnarly down the stretch. That's right. Yeah. There, there will be a lot of three games and five nights, three and, games and four nights types of things. And it's like, you know, Halak's older than Tuka Rask. Like, why not just rotate the three of them? If, if you have the options, it's at least – because at this point, too, like with the uncertainty around Rask's health, and the fact that nobody knows, or I don't want to say nobody knows, but the way that people react to coming off of COVID, obviously, if your lock was just, you know, out for a few weeks, I can't imagine it was the smoothest of, you know, COVID experiences. Um, you probably want to keep Jeremy Swayman NHL fresh, like, okay, at least he's seeing pucks if he goes down to the AHL. But if your schedule is super compact, you have question marks with two goalies, why not keep rotating Swayman in, having him face the Capitals or even the Sabres? And then that way, if you find out that you're going to be in a pinch in the postseason for whatever reason, he's not going to be completely shell-shocked or his last opponent won't have been the Utica Comets from two weeks ago. Great take. Wow. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good point. I didn't really think about to try to keep Swayman fresh is you don't want to keep sending him down if he doesn't get the reps that he will need if something is to happen come playoff time. You have yeah. a third goalie on your taxi squad anyways. So like I know that they were doing the booth thing for a little bit because Vladar or Swayman playing seemed like a break glass scenario, but the glass has been broken and you know that both of them can hack it in the NHL. Um, to a reasonable degree. So, you know, why not carry Swayman? He's, he's clearly your best option as your third guy. And he's earned the opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. And, like, I, for his sake, I hope he gets lit up for, like, six some point soon just because it kind of manages expectations and I kind of want to see the bounce back because, like, you know, you talked about the, the Vladar thing. Like, he just was put in a tough spot in a couple of games and – it's clear that he's you know, the odd man out. And so he's going to be the one who has to wear it when you're getting pasted by the Capitals. But like, yeah, yeah I, I'm interested to see how Swayman maybe responds to some adversity down the line, but because that's it, that would be like the one thing where he gets put in there because Rask and or Halak gets hurt in the playoffs and he gives up like three goals in the first period. You have no idea how he's going to respond if he continues to play out of his yeah. like he has right now. So, um, yeah, so he doesn't have to deal with the Utica comments anymore, probably. So that's good for him. The Hartford Wolfpack, are they even still? You know? Yeah, proud of the New York Rangers. Hartford rocks. I know. Yeah, I, awesome. I, I just it was one of those things where like I said it, and I was like ninety five percent certain. I knew Hartford still had a team, but I wasn't sure if they had the Wolfpack because the AHL has changed so much over the years. Yeah, it is not my AHL. I want to go back. They're, they're taking the they're taking the team out of Binghamton. I was gonna say, take me back to the days of the Binghamton Rangers. The Portland yeah. Pirates, the Lowell Devil, the, the, yeah, the Lowell, uh, the Lowell Lock Monsters, no, yeah, the, the Albany River Rats, the Albany River Rats. The Albany River Rats that's right. The Adirondack um, Phantoms, now of Lehigh Valley. The Adirondack Red Wings. If you want to go, back. I I grew up with the Houston Arrows. I mean, you want to talk about 
See, that's where you start losing. Teams. Like, I would, like, I would go to Houston Arrows games all the time. You know who played for the Houston Arrows? One Charlie Coyle. Wow. Um, that's where you lose me, though, when you start talking about, like, the other conference. It's the same thing in, like, baseball when you start talking about the Pacific Coast League as opposed to the International League. I mean, it, just, it blows my mind that it's the same level. Um, I don't know who we have to talk to to have this conversation. It, it's definitely not Brady Lyle, but I am so curious about the lives of guys who play, like, four AHL games and then they're like ECHL lifers it's like what were those four days playing for you know Bakersfield like and that's probably interesting to literally just me but that that's a conversation I, I bet Bruce Cassidy would probably have some good uh insight on that Bruce Cassidy is an Ottawa boy um as is Brady Lyle more or less I looked it up he's he's from some town in Ontario that's about 20 miles, maybe 50 miles, whatever it is in kilometers. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Ray Lyle recently signed his uh, a two-way deal with the Bruins. Uh, he's been lightening up at Providence. Um, and the, the greatest accomplishment in his young career is that he was a guest on the Nesson Bruins podcast, uh, an interview which we will play right now. Uh, and then we'll see you again next week. So thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy our discussion with Brady Lyle. Boston Bruins product Brady Lyle joins us now, currently with the Providence Bruins. Of course, Brady's been in the news a little bit for just signing his two-year entry-level deal with the Bruins. Um, I'm sure that this is probably the biggest moment of his week. We'll let him answer that himself, but Brady, how's it going? Hey, uh, hey guys, thanks for having me. Uh, it's going well. Like you said, uh, some pretty big stuff going on this week, and uh, obviously really happy, really excited. I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit, but uh, yeah, th thanks again for having me. Cool. Uh, always good to have, you know, somebody other than the three of us joining, you know, talking. It's just us flapping our gums usually. Uh, so, all right. My first question, this is perhaps a little bit because I don't know any better. So you're on an AHL deal with the, with Providence at first, and then now it's an NHL deal. How does that type of thing come together? Like, do you get a call from your agent one day and he's like, hey, like Boston wants to do the NHL entry level thing? Or how does that all come together? Uh, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, pretty much that's, that's how it works. My agent came to me probably, uh, I don't know, maybe a week or two before the deal is actually done. Uh, just kind of said that um, they're, thinking, they're thinking about offering an entry-level deal and uh, that they were going to try and work and get something done. And uh, lucky enough, they, they managed to bang it out pretty quick and it, it got done in like a week or so. Were you watching some, I mean, because you're usually playing with a shot, right? Yeah. So you're probably seeing guys like him go up and down and all the injuries that are happening in Boston. Was there a certain point as the season was going on that you're like, if nothing else, they might not have any other choice, but then to get me on an NHL deal. Um, no, I didn't really look at it like that. Uh, obviously the guys who have been going up have been doing a pretty good job up there. Um, obviously having them in Providence too makes our team a lot better but uh no I wouldn't I wouldn't really say I look at it like that happy for those guys to get their chance and uh, I'll be ready for mine whenever or if it comes it, on kind of how it all came together and kind of looking at where things were what about your game do you think kind of spurred that and what have you done well recently what about it do you think is what about your game the Bruins like and kind of spurred this on do you think 
Um, I think it, it's a combination of things. Uh, I, I feel like pretty confident when I have the puck on my stick, uh, making plays, uh, breaking pucks out, transition game in the neutral zone. Um, you know, my feet are something that I'm working on, but something that I'm confident in as well, like uh, on the blue line, getting in the rush. Uh, and then kind of one of the bigger things, uh, my shot, I've had a lot of success this year uh, when I am shooting the puck. Uh, I know it's something that I should probably try and do more of, but um, yeah, uh, my game has been, uh, it's transitioned pretty well to the pro level. And I think part of that, uh, like part of the credit has to go to the coaches and my teammates have a pretty good team. Um, it, it's been really easy to play in the system that the coaches have laid out for me. And I feel like I've, uh, you know, kind of gotten into the swing of being a part of the Bruins organization uh, pretty easily here. One thing I wanted to follow up there that you're talking about, and I saw a stat kind of floating around the other day regarding the big club and how I think Grizzlick and Mike Riley are among the NHL leaders in, in getting pucks on net among uh, defensemen. What is the key to that skill and how do you go about approving that? And kind of what is it that is it just kind of like a feel thing? You find ways to, f you know, find shooting lanes or is it something you work on and how what kind of work goes into improving that? Uh, I think. There's a, there's a number of things. Uh, first of all, I think just being ready to shoot as soon as you get the puck all the time, because the lanes get taken away quick at this level and obviously quicker at the NHL. So kind of on your stick, off your stick type of thing on the blue line. Uh, and when you do have more time at the blue line, getting your feet going, trying to get the, you know, to find a lane or to kind of shake the guy in front of you so you can create some more space and able to get your shot off there. So those are things that I'm working on and something that I feel will improve uh, pretty quickly here. So Ashan said one of the things about not getting drafted was that you kind of get to pick your situation when you're ready to go pro. Did you kind of look at it that way? And what was it that drew you to the Bruins? Um, I think me and Jack were in a little bit of different spots uh, at this time last year. Um, I didn't really have too much, uh, too many options with where I was going to go. Um, you know, there's, there's some stuff on the table and uh, obviously um and talking to Ferg, uh, John Ferguson, um, going through the process, he was kind of telling me how guys have come through the organization and started on AHL deals and worked their way up to an NHL deal. And he said, uh, you know, you're able to work your way up in this organization. And if you earn it, then it'll be something that's uh, available to you. And he was true to his word. Everyone's been, uh, you know, honest with me through the whole thing. And, yeah, I mean, I couldn't be happier uh, kind of lucking out going to such a great organization. And uh, it's only the start, and I can't wait to, you know, learn more about it and become a bigger part of it. You had the six games in Slovakia. Um, what was that whole experience like? Was that a nice kind of like foray to into playing professional hockey? Like, did that help at all once you came back to North America? Uh, it was definitely – an experience that the hockey was a lot faster um, than what I was used to in junior. Uh, even on bigger ice, the guys were faster and stronger, obviously being men and professionals, that's kind of what you'd expect coming from junior. But um, I mean, it, it was nice over there. The city that I was playing wasn't uh, fantastic or anything, but it definitely did prepare me for uh, kind of the speed and what to expect from uh the strength of different guys. The play wasn't as uh, clean as, or as crisp as it is here, a little more sloppy, but um, 
Oh, I was really lucky to have that opportunity and get some games in before the uh, the season here to kind of help prepare me and get my feet wet a bit. Was there ever like, uh, you know, when you come out of juniors, right, you're only playing with kids your age usually. Was there ever like a shell-shocking moment when you see a guy who's like 10 years older than you and potentially a little bit bigger? Like, is that ever a transition or, you know, kids are so big these days anyways, right? So it might not matter quite as much, but did that ever happen? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, even in Slovakia, I remember one of my first games, there was this big Slovakian guy who's, you know, I'm battling with in front of the net and he's like missing teeth and, you know, smiling at me and chirping me uh, in front of the net. And he's talking to me and kind of his thick accent. And I was like, Holy, <laughs> like, this is actually what he's doing. Like he's a hockey player and he's like, probably has a whole family, a home, couple kids. And, uh, it's it's kind of the same thing here, um, you know, with Tommy Cross being around. Uh, I've been playing with him more recently. Me and him have a pretty good relationship. I kind of sometimes joke with him about the age difference. And uh, so it, it is, um, it is, it's a cool experience, you know, playing with guys who are uh, a lot older and it is a little bit different at the same time. Are, are you a trash talker? Like, do you give it back to the Slovakian guy? Um. A little bit. It, it, I, I, I'm a bit of a trash talker, but it has to be something that uh, it has to be like part of the game. Like uh, yeah. if I'm, if someone's kind of really, you know, pushing me the wrong way, then I'll, I'll be uh, pretty upset. I can be hard on some guys. So you're not, you're not doing the Trent Frederick study watch, you know, <laughs> guys workout videos so you can call them a loser type of thing. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know uh, Freddie, but I've heard some pretty funny stories. He's obviously pretty good at it, and uh, no, that, that was good. Has that part of the game, like, changed at all with, like, empty buildings, playing in, you know, no disrespect to Marlboro, but it's obviously a lot different than playing, like, at a sold-out dunk. Like, is does it just feel different on the ice in that regard? And kind of does, does the environment of it change at all? Or is it once the puck drops, it's, it's still the same? Uh, yeah, for like the trash talking and stuff with the other players, I think honestly it makes it worse because the fans sometimes can hide some of the noise. You hear literally everything, stuff on the bench. You hear their coaches talking. You hear, uh, for example, I know last game I fanned on a pass and whatever, it was at the end of the period, but their whole bench was giving it to me, and I was like, holy, like, I, it's like you can't really get away from it, you know, after a period, maybe there'd be some music playing, or the fans were cheering, or whatever, but uh, no, the, the trash talking stuff is more prevalent uh, without fans, probably. And somewhat related to just the whole pandemic thing, has, I mean, I guess you don't really have a whole lot to to judge it and compare it to, but how has like the acclimation of getting into professional hockey, how has that been affected by maybe some like the social distancing stuff and just, it's just, you know, you can't hang out as much is, has that kind of made it a little more difficult for you or, or how have you kind of adjusted to that, you know, getting into the pro game? Uh, I mean, like you said, I don't really know anything different uh, with it being my first season. So it is kind of weird. Uh, definitely at the start when you're trying to make relationships and just honestly meet your teammates and familiarize yourself with your coaches and the rest of the staff. Uh, it can be kind of awkward, you know, talking through masks. Uh, I know for me, uh, sometimes I can't even like hear people that well through the mask. And obviously everyone's been really uh, diligent with wearing it at the rink and when we're supposed to. So 
Uh, at the start, it definitely was weird. Uh, even getting to know faces and stuff like that was was pretty difficult. But I mean, now I, I'm fully comfortable with the whole situation. I mean, it, it's kind of it's all everyone on the team knows this whole year, so uh, it's it's been fun. And we know this is just your first year, but seeing the amount of guys who have gotten chances, um, specifically this year in the NHL, does that give you hope for your future? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's awesome to see to see guys going up, and um, you know, I, Boston uh, typically is an organization that isn't afraid to use their uh, their farm system when they're uh, in need of some help. Um, and uh, yeah, it's awesome to see those guys go up. Uh, really happy for them. Obviously, uh, you know it's a lot of work to get there, and uh, it's even tougher to stay there. So I'm I'm ready for uh, to put that work in, and uh, hopefully make the most of an opportunity uh, when it comes. Cool. Well, unless they have anything else, I think uh, we're all good. We appreciate it, Brady. Congratulations. Uh, hopefully, this isn't the only time we'll have you on here. I hope you know we lived up to the expectations. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do this again soon, hopefully. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, everyone. That was, uh, that was fun. Thanks, Brady. Right. Thank Appreciate you, Brady. it, Brady. Thank you. Thanks again, guys.